I'm an addict named George. And I want to thank God for allowing me to get fly safely over the highways, the byways, and the oceans. I want to thank the, 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 the Alaska region, the Anchorage Regional Convention of Narcotics Anonymous for giving me an opportunity to, you know, to share uh, my experience, strength, and hope on the gift of recovery. You, I want to thank Lori, and I want to thank Joe Bear, and I want to thank the rest of the committee, and Ronnie, and the rest of the committee for uh, taking a risk on an addict like me. You know, to come all the way up here uh, to Anchorage, Alaska, to, to talk about what Narcotics Anonymous has done for me. You know, um, the theme of this convention, and, and when I get an opportunity to share in spots like this, you know, I try to find out what the theme of the convention is, and a whole lot of times, I'm really nervous. You know, I'm, I'm real nervous, and you know what, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I'm nervous. You know, every time I get up behind these podiums, whether it's to do a workshop, whether it's to do an H&I commitment, whether it's to do whatever it is for Narcotics Anonymous, I get real scared on the inside. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why I get real scared on the inside, because my clean date is January the 5th, 1991. I've been clean for over 21 years. And I get, and I, and I get real nervous because, damn, I'm doing good. No, I'm serious. You know, I'm doing good, man. You know, I've been, going, I've been doing good for going on 22 years, man. I can't believe I've been doing good this long. You know, because, because I suffer from a disease, man, that tries to cut me away from the group. You know, it is always trying to separate me, put me in isolation, and beat the hell out of me. You know what I mean? I'm not this addict, man, because there's various addicts that come from different parts of the country, and our stories vary from member to member, you know? And I'm not that addict that, that slept in abandoned buildings. You know, I'm not that addict that uh, was, was locked in a basement and abused. I'm not that addict that spent years and years in and out of the penitentiary. I'm not that addict. You know, I was locked in my head, man. I suffer from a disease, man, that trapped me like it caught me upstairs. And it would separate me from the group, and it would tell me I wasn't good enough, it would tell me I was less than, it was telling me I wasn't equal to, it was telling me a whole lot of stuff, and I was buying into it. So buying into all the things that was going on inside my head, it kept me disconnected from the group. You know, I, you know and I was going to read something about the power of a positive attitude. There's so much power in a positive attitude. It's the catalyst that makes extraordinary things to occur in your life. A positive, and see, I always had a negative attitude all my life. Anytime somebody, my total self-centeredness always got in the way for me, like being connected to the group. You know, I was a legend in my own mind. And it was always about me. And the reality of it is I was so afraid all my life. And I can still be afraid today, but I was so afraid before I found this wonderful program called Narcotics Anonymous. And in my fear, I mean, I had a lot of fears going on. You know, you know, I was I was brought up in the '60s. You know, and I, and I, want, I want to go back to the beginning because in our literature it talks about, in our literature it talks about, we we peel away like a, like an onion to get back to that pure innocent spirit that's on the inside. You know, and that's the purpose of the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous. That's the purpose of the love of the fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous to get back to that pure innocent spirit on the inside. I was there at one time in my life. I was free. And I was happy. 
and I was joyous. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not a program of talk. You know, recovery is a program of action. You know, I was happy, joyous, and free at one point in my life. And I've always shared that when I get behind this podium, that when I was free, and an example of my freedom was when I was a little boy, me and my brothers and my friends, we would pull our little pee-pees out, and we would, we would pee, and we had pee battles, and we would write our name in the snow. And, you know, I, I had no inhibition, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't feeling less than and inadequate and not good enough, but all of a sudden, I looked over at Peter's Peter, and his Peter was bigger than my Peter, and, it, and I begin, and I begin to shrink, man. I'm trying to tell you something, man. You know, I suffered from a disease long before drugs came into play. My total self-centered and my raging self-obsession and my gut-wrenching insecurities began to manifest itself in my life at a very early age, and it had nothing to do with drugs. And I grew up in, you know, I wasn't as segregated as a kid. I grew up where, you know, I went to school with white kids. It was black kids. It was poor kids. It was rich kids. You know, I was, I was, I was in the group. You know, but something about this disease, man, it was always telling me, man, that I was too dark. You know, my biggest fear growing up as a little boy is they're going to call me Little Black Sambo. And if somebody call me Little Black Sambo, I'm going to die. If somebody call me a nigger, I'm going to die. You know, I lived in, I was consumed with a lot of fear. I was consumed with the fear of waiting for, anticipating somebody to say something that would shatter me. And that's the self-made prison that I lived in. You know, I grew up in an era where there was uh, food stamps. And there used to be those, and ain't those access cards. They got access cards up here. You know what I mean? You know, I grew up in that because we weren't very rich people growing up, you know, but I had an ego big as this room. I can remember my grandmother would ask me, George, go to the store, get a loaf of bread and a quarter pop. And she would break off a couple of them singles. I mean, I'm probably 10, 11 years old, man. You know, I'm embarrassed. You know what I mean? To pull those singles out. So if I had a couple of dollars in my pocket, I would spend the last dollars in my pocket not to pull those food stamps out. Cause, and, and nobody in the store really knew me, but I was caught up in this thing called raging self-obsession and total self-centeredness and gut-wrenching insecurity. And thank God for Narcotics Anonymous. Because when I came to Narcotics Anonymous, it began to identify, it began to let me know what was really going on with me. And somewhere in our literature talks about some of us believe we suffer from this disease long before we picked up drugs. See, I identified with that when I opened up the book. I identified with the raging self-obsession. I identified with all the inadequacy and not good enough, man. I was relating and identifying with that. And I also said, they said we were, we were seemingly looking for something different and we thought we had found it in drugs. I was always looking for something. They can make me different. I looked inside the television. I remember growing up in the era when Muhammad Ali was the world champion of boxing. You know what I mean? I looked into the fantasy box. And then I looked in when the, when the New York Knicks won the, won the championship. Earl Monroe and Walt Frazier, man. I seen those guys, man. And, and, and I didn't know. I didn't know this, this, this disease distorts reality. I didn't know I was ignorant, you know what I mean? I thought the clapping for Muhammad Ali and the cheers for Walt Frazier and Earl or Pearl Monroe, I said, man, they're, they, they, people love them. And that's all I really ever wanted was to be loved. And all I ever really wanted was to be accepted. And all I ever really wanted to was be a part of. You know what I mean? But my head was always telling me I wasn't connected. Because I come from a, a single parent household. You know, I come from being put in foster care. So I, I, I was always edgy. And on the edge, because you know, I, I didn't have no roots. You know what I mean? So when you ain't grounded, you have a lot of anxiety. So you know, and anxiety nothing but another form of fear. So I, I, I'm fucked up. <laughs> and it ain't got nothing to do with drugs. 
You know, I don't have a father to sit me down on a riverbank and fish with me and teach me about life and be able to open me up. And also, I suffer from this disease, and it tells us in our literature that this disease cuts us off from the sharing experience. This disease don't want you to tell what's going on inside your head. This is a shameful disease. This disease don't make no damn sense. You know what I mean? You know, and I, and I had a loving mother. You know, but I was so t- totally self-centered, and you know, I had a loving and caring mother that knew how to to love me by the things that she could give me. But my mother didn't have the ability to nurture me emotionally. And what I found out as a result of the steps of narcotics and in hearing her story, you know, when I heard her story, I had to let her free, I had to set her free. You know, because that resentment's with my mother. You know what I mean? I didn't like my mother because my mother was never consistently in my life. And my mother never came to my basketball game. And my mother never put a bandaid on my knee. And my mother never rocked me, man. I never, because that's what I was looking for. That's what I was always needing. But when I heard my mother's story, I found that she never, she can't give what she ain't got. She couldn't give me that. It's a powerful program called Narcotics Anonymous. It sets people free. I'm just an addict up here sharing with you how Narcotics Anonymous set me free. I'm not here to put a disease on, a uh, disease of addiction. I'm not a circus speaker. I'm just a member of Narcotics Anonymous that God has given me an opportunity to come share with you my story with you. And I'm just going to tell my story with you because I feel a part of you. I feel united with you. You know, And I'm going to tell you why I feel united and connected with you. I feel connected with you because you people have positive attitudes. Y'all showed us nothing but love. I've never, I haven't felt uncomfortable. You know, because there's something about, there's two type of languages. There's verbal language, and then there's body language. You know, and there's spiritual language. And you can feel an attitude. It ain't got to come out your mouth. You can feel an attitude. And I felt nothing but a positive that people have walked up to us before they knew I was a speaker and hugged us and greeted us and, you know, and wanted to meet us. And, and, that, and I feel good being here with you people. Y'all the catalyst. So if you're new, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. This is the greatest show on earth. You can't get it no better than this. I'm going to tell you this too. There's no perfect recovering act. None. There's no role model of the perfect recovering act. We're all in the process of learning how to grow up and be better people. This is nothing but a process of comparing yourself to last year or last week or last month. Are you a better man than you were last year? Because if you're a better man than you were last year, you're in the process. You're doing good. You're, like, you're recovering. You're growing. If you can tell yourself, you can take the inventory because it steps in narcotics and I'm set us free. And I'll bounce around and I'll go back and forth with my story because I'm so excited to be here with you guys. I really am. It's cold as hell up here, but I'm excited to be here. And they said it ain't cold yet. But I looked into that fantasy box, man. And I, and I, and I was striving. I just wanted to be loved, man. So, you know, and I, Ronnie, you know, Ronnie cannot identify. I thought I was going to find all the love and acceptance through basketball. I put all my self-esteem, all my self-worth, all my all in all into the sport of basketball. You know, and I was, I was a pretty good ball player, but I was a legend in my own mind. I thought 15 points, five assists, I'm going to the NBA. You know, but I'm totally self-centered. I don't got a father. I don't have any guys in my life, and, I don't, and I don't, I'm not teachable. 
How can you get to the next level if you can't allow yourself to be coached? You know, how can you get to the next level when you're a legend in your own mind? How, when you don't have no humility in your life? When you, when you, when you never outgrown the self-centeredness of a child? You know, I didn't know any of that stuff, man. You know, I, th- I stumbled into the program of Narcotics Anonymous at the age of 30. I was married about six, seven years. I had two children. You know what? And I kept finding myself in a twin bed. And twin beds are for little boys and girls. But as a 30-year-old, I always find myself in a twin bed because I had never outgrown the self-centeredness of a child. In spite of looking on the, appearing on the outside to be an adult, but in all actuality, in reality, I was a shaky, insecure, frightened little boy on the inside. You know what I mean? And I got to Narcotics Anonymous not wanting to tell people that's that exactly who I was. Even though my back pockets was touching, you know what I'm saying? I was... 30 pounds lighter than what I was. You know, I had wrinkles in my forehead of all from all the despair. You know, but I found myself a Narcotics Anonymous not wanting to be a newcomer. Not understanding this program. You know what I mean? The program of Narcotics Anonymous contained in the basic text and, 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 and sponsorship is the heartbeat of our program. You know what I mean? So, you know, I came, but I was a kid, man, that got A's and B's in school. I could read some shit. You know what I mean? I could uh, read it, process it, understand it, and spit it back out, and I didn't think I need people. I really didn't think, if I could read it and understand it, I had book sense, I had worldly sense, but I didn't have the ability to keep a stem out of my mouth. Because I smoke crack. <laughs> that was that something that I thought I found, that I found in drugs. It was when I found crack, I thought I had the magic elixir. And I didn't realize, man, that that drug was the beginning of the end for me. That that thing beat me down. My buddy Harold talks about it beat me down to a nub, and then it beat the nub down. You know what I mean? That's what it did to this addict, man. That's what that drug did to this addict, man. It beat me down, and then it beat me down again, and then it warped my personality, and then it reduced me to the animalistic love, and it took the ability of me to love or be loved. It, it did everything the basic text said that addiction and drugs would do. It did it to me. You know, there's so much identification in the basic text. You know, it was the identification in the basic text that began to set me free. All I had to do, because the first step is the hardest step, man. The first step, coming out of denial, man. You know what I mean? Getting in touch with the reality. Taking a look on the inside, man. Getting real with yourself, man. Telling yourself the truth is difficult, man. You know what I mean? I, we went to the H&I uh, commitment. We did the H&I commitment once we came in. And I told them, man, that those new members, those potential recovering addicts, those potential addicts, those potential members that may come to Narcotics Anonymous one day, man, that Narcotics Anonymous is nothing but a place to gain self-awareness. That's all we do because we we're good. we like to blame people, places, and things. We like to look out, but we don't like to look in. But what I found out that the man that looks out stays asleep. That the man that looks in wakes up. You know what I mean? And I got to Narcotics Anonymous, thirty-something years old. I was still asleep. I wasn't woke when I got here. And guess what? I I lacked self-acceptance. And guess what? I didn't want to be a newcomer when I got here. I want to appear to be a, be a member of three or four years clean, only that I don't have three or four days clean. Because I never liked who I was. I never liked where I was at. I always wanted to change the condition of the situation. I never had the ability to sit still and grow naturally like I was supposed to all along. When I, I'm telling you, I, I'm a mess still. But I'm great. You know, but I'm, I'm a grateful recovering addict. You know, and I'm united with you. And y'all accept me for who I am in spite of who I am. And that's a wonderful thing about Narcotics Anonymous, because I can remember being a 16-year-old listening to jazz. 
I was a jazz aficionado, you know, I see all this shit. Because I wanted to be 25 years old when I was 16. Now I'm 51, damn near 52, and I'm a hip-hop fool. My wife can't stand it. Will you turn that shit down? But I'm in touch with the program of Narcotics Anonymous. This program talks about if I leave it alone, I will grow and develop naturally like I was supposed to all along. All I need not do is put the drug in me. All I need not, all I need to continue to do is be honest about who I am. All I need to continue to do is be open-minded to the process of recovery. All I need to be, continue to do is be willing to trust the God of my understanding. That's the three steps, the first three steps, the foundation that recovery is built upon. As long as I continue to do that, you know, I'm well on my way, man. And that's why I'm so amazed. That I got the clean time I got. I'm so amazed, man, that you know what? I've been married to my wife for 28 years. And I'm so, you know, I'm, a, I'm amazed, man. You know what? Let me tell you something. And I haven't went outside our relationship for 20 years. I'm amazed. I'm amazed, man. You know what I mean? It blows my mind because I was such a sucker. I was such a gullible person. You know what I'm telling you? Because I realized that I was such a gullible person for so long because I wasn't connected to the proper power. You know what I mean? You got to connect it to this power. They say the steps from Narcotics Anonymous, the principles contained in the 12 steps, transforms our lives. That these things, and transformation means, once you, what I understand about, about, a, about, about a pickle or a butterfly, you know, once a caterpillar, transforms or metamorphosizes into a butterfly, it can't go on back to be a caterpillar. So I'm, I really believe, man, that if you believe in the program of narcotics and, I'm, and you live this way in life, that you know what, I can't never go, go back to being the person that I used to be, as long as I live this way in life. They said this week, they say never, that's a deep word, never seen an addict relapse to live the narcotics anonymous program. All I gotta do is believe in this thing, man. So, so I came in here, man, I came in here and I came in here federally hip and eternally cool, but all actuality and reality, I was a shaky, insecure little boy on the inside that was in and out of twin beds over and over again. So if you're still sleeping in the twin bed, you might have, you might be still a little boy. <laughs> People get, I'm talking about me, I ain't talking about you. I think men's supposed to sleep in king size and queens and fools. I'm talking about me. I ain't talking about you. But I found out, man, that I kept finding myself in a bunk bed based on the way I was thinking, man. My belief system was geared for me to, like, have somebody take care of me because I didn't have the ability to take care of myself. See, the first step is a heavy step, man. Because the first step is that we don't know how to live with or without drugs. I always thought the crack was my problem. But I'm here to tell you that diseases don't live on the outside. They live on the inside. I kept thinking it was something outside of me was my problem, but the all actuality, if I suffer from the disease of addiction, it's an internal thing that's going on with me. And I need to tap into the second step, you know, because they say most of us, if we, if we skip over this step, the second step, with a minimal concern, the rest of the steps don't work for you. You had to come to Narcotics Anonymous, run around it for like 18 years. Listen, I never went outside my marriage until I got here. I was married for seven years. I smoke crack with other women, you know, you know, things for things in the street. You know what I mean? All that type of stuff goes on. Some of it was because crack make your weenie shrivel up. You know, I ain't gonna pull my pants down. That was a factor. You know, that was, that was a big factor. You know what I mean? I ain't gonna show that and somebody laughing. I told you I don't want nobody laughing. They would kill me. So I kept my pants up. That helped me. That helped me with my eighth step. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. 
but I'm here to share with you the disease of addiction will make you, the disease of addiction will make you lower your standards. It will make you expose yourself. It will put you out there when you're caught in the grip. When you're caught up in an obsession, you're willing to do anything to get just one more. And so I find myself pulling my pants down here, getting with other women in this program because I didn't know how to fill the void. I try to fill it. And they said, we got to know how to fill the void. we got to fill the void with the program. And I try to fill the void with all that outdated stuff that I came out of the streets with. Because crack wouldn't let me trick. But I got the narcotics and it became a trick. You know what I mean? Because it wouldn't let me do that because a real addict, all they care about is the next one. My, even when my wife, me and my wife was using I wasn't no sex. I wanted her to get one more. Can you get one more rock? I only had sex when I was caught in the grip because, you know, I might, let me burn some energy off. Maybe I can go to sleep now. You know, I love my wife. I've always loved my wife. But I found that this disease made me step away from all the things that I love because that's the purpose of the disease of addiction. What I understand this disease's job is to separate you from the things that you love. You know, it, you know, and what I found out, man, that we are supposed to love people and not things. This disease makes you love things and use people. You know what I mean? So we have, I had a real distorted perception on reality, and I got to narcotics anomalies, and I danced and tiptoed around here, thought I was fatally hip and eternally cool. In our literature, man, I read the book and said, fatal hipness and internal coolness leads us further into addiction. So I was running around narcotics anomalies being fatally hip and eternally cool, but I was getting further and further in addiction. And I'm here to share with you, I almost used. I almost used running around here trying to be uh, Shaba, Mr. Lover, man, lover, lover. You know what I'm saying? I almost used. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm a sensitive person. And I had to start telling the truth about who I am. And once I start telling the truth about who I really am and who I'm really not, the process of recovery started working for me. You know, sponsorship begin. The second step is the beginning of the recovery process. The first step ain't nothing but laying the groundwork how fucked up you are. Now, I'm telling, excuse me for cussing, but I do. You know, my wife gets on me about that. But that's all the first step is just laying the groundwork of, and how messed up and how unmanageable your life is. And you got to get some acceptance about that, that you don't know how to live with drugs or without drugs, that the way I think and how my feelings drive and motivate me and, 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 and convince me, See, I didn't understand this program, man. You got, that's where you got to keep coming. That's the most profound statement in this process because they talk about the, the spiritual void, the loneliness and the emptiness. When the loneliness and the emptiness settle in, I make bad decisions, man. I make bad decisions when I feel lonely and when I feel empty. Even today, when I feel lonely and when I feel empty and I don't talk about it, if I don't get real with it, if I don't address it, I'll make bad decisions. Something about in our step working guy, they said, they says, what are you about when you're not focused on recovery? Recovery is a day at a time process. What do I do when I'm not focused on recovery? I'll tell you what I do now with tw going 22 years clean when I ain't focused on, I shop. When I ain't focused on recovery, I go into cyberspace and cop. I'm serious, man. It's funny, but it's not funny. You know, people commit suicide based on financial ruin. You know what I mean? Seriously, it's serious. I always talk about what, how this, because we suffer from the disease of addiction. You know what? And it's always got us suffering with something. Nobody's spiritually free. We all doing something that we know that that same something hits us, man. And our job is to tell when that, that thing hit us. And when that thing hit me, I'll buy a pair of true religion blue jeans. <laughs> Yeah, go research True Religion Blue Jeans. Them some very expensive blue jeans. Yeah. And my paycheck 
ain't that big. Because that's what happens to me, man. But, but I begin to realize, man, that, 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 this, that the second step, man, that any time I really, like, bought into the second step, restoration came into my life. When I, when I began to use sponsorship, what it was designed for. See, sponsorship was difficult for me. And the reason why it was difficult for me, because I thought I was halfway intelligent. And it was difficult for me because I never had a father figure in my life. I never had a man sit me down and explain to me about life. I had to know how to be a man right here in Narcotics Anonymous. I had to watch men in Narcotics Anonymous to be able to be an example of what it takes to be a man. And I'm going to tell you something. When I, heard, when I saw a man cry here in Narcotics Anonymous, because I always wanted to cry. Always felt like crying. You know, I, I thought, I'm going to tell you something about the heartbeat. This always scared me. I never knew this is the God that's within me, warning me that I'm going to make a bad move. This is the God inside of us. This is the thing that, look, we're physical, mental, and spiritual. And like, I'm going to tell you something about the voice of our higher power. It whispers very quietly once. And the disease of addiction screams over and over again. You can do it. It's going to be okay. And what if, if only, just one more time. Won't nobody know. Hell, what if you've grown? You've been clean long enough. You know? But the quiet voice on the inside say, George, you're going to hurt yourself. And I lost the ability until I got back to Narcotics Anonymous to hear the quiet voice on the inside. Now, I used to hear that quiet voice when I was a kid, you know, but when you do wrong so long, that voice quiets down so quiet that you can't hear it no more. That's why this is a spiritual process, and that's why they say our recovery hinges on our ability to gain and grow spiritually. Growing spiritually is that ability to be able to hear that quiet voice on the inside and to obey it. That's what this is about. That's what I understand this process is about. And the only way I could get with that process that I had to start making decisions to turn my will and my life over. I'll tell you something. For me, the third step, when I did my third step, my first third step, it was a spiritual experience for me. You know what I mean? It was really a spiritual experience. I went to a place of worship. You know, me and my sponsor got on our knees, and we said the third step prayer, and my life changed from that point forward. From that point forward, I became a different person. From that point forward, I redefined what was cool. Slick and hell. I thought it was cool, and it was cool to be faithful to my wife. I thought it was slick to be a good father to my children. I thought it was hip to be a good friend. Had to redefine with all that sick stuff that I came to Narcotics Anonymous with. I made a decision to turn it over and do something different. And my life has changed as a result of that. Now, I still like to dress like a hip hopper. I listen to hip hop music. You know what I mean? I, look, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. You know, I, I am. You know what I mean? And I know why I still dress like a kid. Because there's a purpose in the way I dress. Because God, once I turn my life over to the care of God, it's not my life anymore. It's not mine. It don't make some sense. I'm going to tell you how powerful that third step decision is. I remember we were smoking cigarettes. I said I was going to smoke. F you. I'm smoking. I, I don't smoke no more. I ain't smoked in 15 years. You know, but my will said I was going to smoke. But God said he took that away from me. You know what I mean? I don't know if I worked a program on or not. I know I said what I was going to do, and I seen what God did. For real. You know what I mean? A lot of things, man. I, God's powerful, man. Once I made the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of, things just begin to change for this, for this addict. You know, I'm going to tell you something, man. For so many years of my life, before I found Narcotics Anonymous, I would get always to the edge of success, but then just would fall short. And the falling short 
You know what I mean? And it started with a lot. It started back in the self, because that's why we do the inventory. The inventory is powerful because it's patterns of behavior. It's it's the way we think. You know what I mean? But like fear ain't nothing but projective, uh, uh, uneventful outcome for you, and responded to it in a negative way. That's all fear is. You done projected what the hell's gonna really happen. So, but I was affected growing up. I was damaged by society. No, I mean, I'm not blaming society. I'm just being real about society. F me up, man. You know, I grew up in I grew up in that era where there was real to real. Movie projectors. It wasn't DVDs and and I was in a classroom and I saw America being built on the back of slaves. And that stuff affected me. I start feeling like a second class citizen. Even nobody ever told me that, but it was based on what I was seeing. That stuff affected me. You know, I, and I was a ball player. You know, in the, in the eighth grade and ninth grade, I played ball and I was good. You know, but I was affected by prejudice. You know what I mean? I know I was good. You know why I know I was good? Because they would get behind 10 or 12 points. They would throw me and this other little black kid in the game, and we would bring them back. Then they would sit us back on the bench. And it didn't happen one time. It would happen over and over and over again. And it hurt me. It damaged my spirit. It put a scar on my spirit. See, the disease of addiction got a job to do. It's always to take you back to yesteryear, make you believe it's going to happen to you in the present. So what ended up happening to me, anytime anything looked unfavorable to me, I swear I learned how to quit. Now, I learned how to quit. From the seventh and eighth grade, I became a quitter. Because anytime it felt like it wasn't going to work out for me, I would give up. I quit in every area of my life. There was pretty little girls, man, that liked me. But something in my head told me, uh, she's going to quit me. She's going to hurt me. So why don't even go for it? You know, I don't know how to be a quitter, man. I'm going to tell you, my first four step, the most profound thing I learned in the first four step is that every time it becomes difficult, George, you take your ball and go home. That's your pattern of behavior. Your, the national anthem rings true. The addict's national, national anthem rings true in your life. Every time it becomes difficult, you say, F it, and go home. And I did that over and over and over and over again in various areas of my life. And that's what my first four steps showed me, man, that you're a quitter when it becomes difficult, George. You quit. You always quit when it gets tough. You, and you know what? So I had to start getting in touch with why I quit. And I had to get in touch with why I didn't go to the NBA, Ronnie. You know why I didn't go? Because I quit. <laughs> Not that God wouldn't do it for me. I didn't go because I quit. I didn't go to the prom with Diane Clark because I was scared. So I quit pursuing her, even though she was pursuing me. You know, everything that was beautiful in my life, that could have been beautiful in my life, that didn't manifest itself in my life, it was not because God didn't want it for me. It was because I learned how to quit. Until I've come to Narcotics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous gave me the ability not to quit. And since I've come to this program, I've, not, I've faced every challenge that's been in front of me, and I've been able to overcome every challenge that's been in front of me as a result of this program. It's a powerful program. It's a program for living. It's the love of the fellowship, man. If you haven't had a, a fellowship experience, ain't nothing like it. What's a fellowship experience? Fellowship experience is your ass is hanging out and everybody knows. Huh? You and your wife ain't working and everybody knows. You just got fired from your job and everybody knows. Uh, you sliming, you know what I mean? And everybody know. You know, 
The power of the fellowship is when everybody knows your stuff and they rally around you and nurture you back to health. Me and my wife had that type of experience because the sixth step is really about hurting your loved one. Because it's the wounded look that you, that's in your loved one's eyes will force a lifelong change in your life. Sixth step is about hurting people. With lust, greed, sloth, procrastination, it's like, and ultimately you hurting yourself. But what I found out, man, when I hurt, that's the change that I see. When I, you know, why I don't cheat because I seen how hurt my wife was. I seen it cheating feel good till you cut. <laughs> like they say, it's, it feels good going in, but it's hurt like hell coming out. So I seen how I look when I was caught. I seen how I felt when I was caught by the IRS. I got caught by them too. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you something. I didn't pay attention because it was, it, the, the thing was hanging over the mailbox. And my heart was beating. They said, "George, you're gonna get caught." And I dropped it in there anyway. I said, "Damn!" I wanted to go in there and get that thing out that mailbox so bad. And about three months later, they said, "We're out of you, Mr. Jones." And I had to pay, I had to pay the price, man. Because I didn't know how to pay, at that point in time, I didn't know how to pay attention to that thing on the inside. I'm learning how to pay more attention to that thing, thing on the inside. So I kept coming back. And I keep coming back. In my first five years of recovery, I believe I stayed clean based on sheer fear of smoking crack again. I did not want to be that person that smokes crack. Because crack took the ability to, me to be a man away from me. It took my manhood away from me. It took my ability to love, man. It took my ability to cry. It took my ability to feel. It took my ability to be compassionate. It just took so much from me, man. I was so afraid of being that person again, man, that I went to the meeting. You know, my buddy WMS talks about addicts are pack animals. And the disease of addiction is like the wolf. You know what I mean? And like, you know, like the disease of addiction, like the, 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 the lion or the wolf every day wakes up and figure out which, it picks the weakest animal in the pack. Takes them out in deep water and drowns them. And the deep part of it is, a lot of times, this old timers think the newcomer is the one that's hanging out on the end. But what I'm gonna tell you something, when I was a real newcomer, and my ass was on fire, oh man, I mean, I made me direct. You know, I called my sponsor every day. I worked steps, you know what I'm saying? I was in service. You know, I got honest about what was going on with me when I was a newcomer. You know, but the, but the more you stay in this process, you really think you got this thing. Sometimes the old timer's ass is hanging out on the end. Lack of meeting attendance, uh, lack of 12 step work, uh, don't believe in sponsorship anymore, uh, doing a little slamming on the side. You know, something in the disease of addiction job is to pick off the weakest person in the pack. So the 10th step is really about taking your inventory on a daily basis. Am I in the middle of this thing or I'm hanging on the end? That's what I learned about this process. You know, this is a team sport. This ain't no individualized thing, and social acceptability don't equal recovery. My sponsor taught me the disease of addiction eats up degrees. It takes jobs. It smashes cars. It don't care about who your God is. You know, that this is a bad disease, man. That it don't care about none of that. It don't care what you know in the Bible. It don't care about none of that because the disease of addiction on everything you know. Disease, you ever be praying? Trying to talk to your higher power? And you think about masturbating all at the same time. <laughs> He's like, damn, damn, that ain't spiritual. <laughs> what I found out, man, ugh, ain't no perfect recovering addict. 
Huh? No, you, you, we don't walk on water here. Now, we still got sickness in there, man. You know what I mean? And we got to learn how to be real about that because I'm going to tell you something what happened to me in this process. I ran around there for five years scared. It made me work the steps. It made me, it made me stay away from people, places, and things. It made me do all the things that the program told me to do. You know what? By after from five years to ten years, it just became a way of life. You know, I was just committed to doing this shit, man. I go to, ain't nothing else to do but make a meeting. You know, and then you get sponsees along the way. And sponsees end up making you work a step. Because the sponsee be sharing on that step, you like, you gotta give something back. So, you know, then you gotta give some new stuff back to them. You can't give them that old outdated stuff. You gotta give them the stuff that's in the here and now, how the disease. So it keeps you sharp and shit. So it's a way of life. Narcotics Anonymous is a way of life. But I'm telling you, from year, from year 10, from, from 5 to 10, it was just it was just a habit. And from 10 to 20, you know what? It's about trusting God now. It's about not running. It's about showing up and facing life on life's terms, man. Believing that God's going to take care of me. It's like getting up every day, facing everyday challenges. You know, some days, and sometimes when you turn your will and your life over to the care of God, it's been many times that I thought I got to go somewhere to do something else, and God had something totally different for me to do. You know what I mean? But it's about, hey, I'm not here to be the speaker. Sometimes I'm not here to be the speaker. Sometimes I'm here to sit with a newcomer, you know, out in the audience, you know, that's getting ready to get divorced or thinking about committing suicide, you know, and having a problem with something and sitting down, in spite of being the speaker, taking time, talking to the newcomer. No, this thing is not about popularity. This, this shit will kill people. I love Bob. He's an OG. Y'all don't hear the OG tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm not impressed with people that run their mouth a lot. I'm impressed with people that show up and do the deal, man. That's impressive to me. I'm impressed with the people that I've seen up here at this convention this week, the service work that y'all put in. I'm impressed, man. They're like, we're going to the, we ain't hell with the convention. We're going to the detox. Huh? The most important meeting. They had us, two, we got off the plane, they had our asses in the detox and shit. You know what I'm saying? That was good for me. You know, it was good for me to do because I run a treatment program, so I see sick, desperate, dying addicts every day. So, but it was good for me to do an H and I commitment, even though I lived this program. You know, and I'm not one of those directors of a treatment program that uh, hides in his office and pushes numbers. I do groups with my clients. I, they say I only keep what I have by giving it away. So everything I learned about myself, everything I learned about recovery, everything I learned about God in this process of recovery, I give back to my clients. I show up. I know every one of my clients' name. My door is open. They get on my damn nerves. You know what I'm saying? You know, but it's my opportunity to practice tolerance and patience. You know, you know, and it's a wonderful thing, man, when, when, when one of your clients that came and gone. Because I had it recently happen about two weeks ago. You know, what inspired me is hearing people like Bob tell their story how it's like they just show up, man. And they do the deal even with multiple, multiple years clean. They're still willing to walk with a newcomer. Bob will tell you about painting his beard and shit and all that. you hear it tomorrow. Tell him the beard story, Bob, tomorrow. You know, wonderful stuff. Man, it inspires me to stay in this process, man. Because when you get letters behind your name and you get a couple dollars in your pocket, you really think you got this thing, man. And I tell my clients all the time, it ain't what I know that got me this far as what I do. It's not what you know, newcomer, sometime or old timer. It's what you do that keeps you in the process. I still make meetings regularly every day. I allow myself to sponsor people. I allow myself to be sponsored. You know, the beautiful thing about my sponsor, he's my employee. My sponsor, I'm my sponsor's boss. And that's what I love about my, no, that's, no, no, no. It's powerful. It's my sponsor, he's not a clean time bully. 
He don't use his clean time. He don't use his knowledge. You know, he gives me eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. When I, he might disagree with me in some things. He does what I, he don't argue with me. I, I love my sponsor. It ain't based on what he say. It ain't based on, 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 on what he drive. It ain't based on what he wear. It's based on who he is. He's a disciplined man. Got discipline. It's a, this is a self-help program. This is a program of discipline. You know, discipline gets you down the road. Man makes the habit, and then the habit makes the man. You know, so I, that man meditates. He, he got a mean level step, man. What I love about him is his level step work. Every day at lunchtime, he goes do 30 minutes in the car meditation. Or he sleep one, but he's but, it's a, but guess what? He ain't never, he's always back in there at 1 o'clock. He ain't never late. He don't never tell me no. He does whatever. It's been time when I leave and have to do business as far as being a director that he, he, he don't complain, man. I, I look on my Blackberry and I see the things that he got to do. I be like, damn. You know what? He don't complain about that. I want to be like that. They said you got to have a sponsor, a man or woman, you want what they got. You know what I mean? I watch him disconnect from unhealthy relationships. You know what I mean? Not lose his mind. It's those things like that that inspire and motivate me. I still whine and complain when I got to let go, but I watch him let go with peace. You know what I mean? He taught me about learning how to tie tie knot in the rope and hang on. And then watch the note rope unthread. Watch God come and get you at the last minute. That's what I love about my sponsor. I've seen him do that type of stuff. It's inspiring. This is what this program is really all about. You know what I mean? That's what I love about this program. It was like when I walked into the rooms in our cars, the lady, it was it wasn't what people it's dot T. It was it was what this lady had on the inside. It wasn't what she she had the ability to be in a room like this. I said, there's a meeting going on. Whole room get quiet. I said, "Damn, I want what she got." And what she had was reverence. She had respect. And what I found in this process, you don't get respect by being a people pleaser. You get respect by respecting yourself. You you get respect by standing for something and not falling for anything. You know, you might not be liked, but you'll be respected. You know, and that's what I love about this program. And that's what this program is all about for me. And this is what inspires and motivates me to stay on the path. You know, people say, now I've had an opportunity to share all over the world. You know what I mean? I ain't no bad looking guy. I ain't the greatest looking guy either. But I ain't that bad looking. A couple girls winked at me before. And I have not found it necessary to step out of my relationship. And I really believe, I really believe, I don't believe love hurts. I believe total self-centeredness will hurt. I believe character defects on the dress hurt. You know what I mean? That's what I believe. But I don't believe love hurts. You know what I mean? And what I, I, I know what resentments do. Resentments give you the excuse to act out. I always need a resentment to do wrong. You know, it's the, it's the white man's fault. It's the black people's fault. I got to have resentment with per, a person, place, or a thing in order to act out. And what I work real hard at, this program tells us you have to rid yourself of all your resentments. That we get them, but we have to rid ourselves. I don't resent my wife. So as a, as a result of me not resenting my wife, how can I never keep loving my wife? I've got to love her. Because in all actuality, I love myself. And what I found in this process, man, that loving yourself a little bit more than anybody else is healthy. And that's what I learned to do is learn to love myself enough not to set myself up with those self-made traps that I always trap myself with. You know, they say the road, they say, they say in our literature that our will alone ain't sufficient enough. That's a cold statement. When you read the literature, it says our will alone is not sufficient enough. That means that you've got to constantly tap into a power greater than you that can help you. 
You know, you got to constantly recommit yourself to this power. You got to make a decision. You know, keeping your faith and your spiritual condition, it's like water in your hands. That you can scoop water up before you know your hands is empty. And the only way you got to get more faith. You know, you got to keep scooping it up, you know, and that's what I've learned to do, man. I've learned to keep working this program. I learned to keep living this thing a day at a time. I keep not letting ego inflate situations like uh, some of the sickest people be behind these podiums. Don't be confused, newcomer, old timer, or sometimer. But what I found out, man, that all your dreams can come true in Narcotics and others. All my dreams have come true. Why wouldn't yours? All my dreams have come true in Narcotics and others. And what I've done. All I've did, I, this is what I believe. Personally, I believe there's three wills. I believe there's God's will. I believe it's my will. Then there's self-will. And every time I self-will, I mess my life up. But every time I line my will up with the will of God, he's given me all my, all my dreams have come true in Narcotics Anonymous. Since I've come to this program, all my dreams have come true. Not half my dreams, all my dreams have come true. Coming here was one of my dreams. I always wanted to come to Alaska. You know, I, I swear, it was on the bucket list, and, and, and I'm here. All my dreams have come true. All my dreams have come true. I'm telling you something, man. And when I, Me and my wife, we've always loved ourselves. We always loved each other. But guess what? Crack wouldn't let us keep a roof over it. Drugs would allow us to be a family. Drugs kept breaking us apart. But once we both found this program, We've been able to, I always loved my wife. I just couldn't, I couldn't be the man that I was supposed to be in the marriage until I found the program of Narcotics Anonymous. My wife always loved me, but she couldn't be the woman she was supposed to be until she found the program of Narcotics Anonymous. And when we found this wonderful life-saving program, we was able to get back together and be husband and wife. And, and we like each other. <laughs> we still make each other laugh. She still rubbed my heart on my little weenie kid's heart. And she realized she still got it. She still got it. She still got it, man. You know what I mean? I look, but I ain't going to stray too far. I'm going to look because I'm a man. But I ain't going to stray because I love myself and I love my wife. You know what I mean? And she still got what it takes to still make, ring my bell. A wonderful program, man. So, I, so, so me and my wife, so I lined my will up, and my wife, my wife got clean in Washington D.C. I got clean in Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? And I seen other women for a minute, and she seen other men for a brief moment. But guess what? We both loved each other, and and, and my dream was to have my wife. See, this is what I tell my sponsees. I said, you know what? If you with somebody, I said, if you can't envision you and the woman or the man that you with, and y'all growing old in a rocking chair together, why are you there? I mean, you know, they say we get fleeting glimpses of what our life could be. The, the book is powerful. They say this book says God will give you fleeting glimpses of what your life can be. And I envision me and my wife growing old together, uh, sitting in a rocking chair. Kids, grandkids opened up Christmas gifts. Now, we didn't grow old together. We've been married 28 years. We ain't got, the kids ain't having no babies yet. My daughter's lesbian. She look like she ain't doing it. <laughs> And my son is so healthy, it's sickening and shit. But we got an adopted child. We got a God child. And she's that little kid that plays on the floor in the morning, and we sit on the couch and watch. All my dreams have come true in the program of Narcotics Love. I got my wife back. I should have dreamed about a six-bedroom house. But all, 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 all I dreamed about was, all I dreamed of was a, was a brick house. 
God, just give me a brick house. You know what I mean? And I just lined my will up with the will of God, man, and I just went to work. And I, you know what? And I paid the bills you know, on time. And I couldn't do that on time without my wife because I'm an addict. An addict is a man or woman. They want to do good for a while, then they want to reward themselves by hurting themselves. Like my, I, I, the, the bill says a hundred bucks. I paid a hundred bucks six months in a row. I'm like, f that, man. I'm buying me some tennis shoes. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and I need my wife to say, you're going to mess up the credit, man. You better pay the bills. See, I really believe. I, I believe we need somebody to help us. You know, because because to be a man is a role. And ain't somebody to help me stay in my role. It's my sponsor. It's my guide to stay in that role. And my wife helps me to stay in my role. We, you know, a wife's job is to nag you. <laughs> no, it's not a bad thing. It's not. A, no, my wife. My wife forces me to be the man that I'm supposed to be. No, my wife makes me take the. Gar- I mean, she makes me take the garbage out. You know, I'll take the garbage out. And she won't put the goddamn bag back in. I would be all the way upstairs in the bed. She'd be right in the kitchen. George, you didn't put a bag in. I gotta come all the way back downstairs and put the garbage, the new garbage bag in. Forces me, man. Forces me to be uh, an example to my children. Helps me stay in my role. Because guess what? When I cried out of my third step, I said, God, help me be the best man that I can be. And when you ask God to be your best, he'll put you in position to be your best. Are you open to see it, though? I know she helps me be my best. I found out love, man. People that love me ain't telling me nothing that's going to hurt me. People that love me tell me things that's going to help me be a better person. You know, self-centeredness is just in there, man. And laziness is in there, man. I don't want to work. I really don't want to grow. I want to live in fantasy. Fantasy is a symptom of the disease of addiction. Fantasy is like being on the top of the mountain. You ain't climbing nowhere. You just up there. You know, dreams come true. A dream is based on hard work, discipline, and sacrifice. You know what I mean? Dreams come true in narcotics and noms. If, you have to, if you're willing to do the work, sacrifice, and put the discipline in, all your dreams, God, I'm telling you, God delivers. Brought my wife back. Gave me a house. I remember sitting in the back of the room, being a newcomer at my first convention, say, God damn it, I want to get up there and tell my, I got something to say. I want to tell my story one day. You know, that's even, it's even a reading in our Just for the Day book talks about being a newcomer in the back, shaky, and then one day being in the front of the room, giving a message. Guess what? That's my experience. I was, I was one of the main speakers at the World Convention in San Antonio, Texas in 2009. My dream, all my dreams have come true. And this is the last, this is the latest dream on the dream of dreams is to come to Alaska. You know, I was amazed when I, I didn't think Ronnie liked me. I met Ronnie in Seattle. When I met Ronnie and Lori in Seattle. I didn't think Ronnie liked me and Lori liked me. I was amazed. I didn't, I didn't think I did that good up there for real. I thought I stunk for real. And see, we want you to come. I'm like, wow. And I told my wife, another dream come true, Alaska. You know, the next one is London. I want to, I want to go to London next. That's what I, that's you know, the bucket list, man. I'm still waiting for a kid, too. You know what I mean? But what I found out, all I got to do, see, God don't work on man's time. God don't work on man's time. God don't work on 365, 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. That's, that's man's plan. That's man's time plan. God works on a different time plan. I believe God works on the maturity plan. I believe God will give you all the things, the desires of your heart, when you're going to give him the credit, and you're going to be mature enough to handle, to handle the task. I really believe that. I really believe that. 
So, you know, I'm getting ready to sit down. My message is that an addict, any addict, white addict, black addict, gay addict, straight addict, HIV positive addict, hep C addict, crystal meth smoking addict, one legged addict, you know, any addict, native addict, any addict, to stop using drugs, lose the desire to use, and find a new way to live. Our message is hope. And the promise is freedom that no addict seeking recovery ever need die of the horrors of addiction. My name is George J. Thanks for not being here.